You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on lines the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 157. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss the meatballs, talk about Adam Simber being traded, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers are no longer affiliated with the Cleveland Indians, discuss some non-tender candidates that the Indians could be looking at coming up here soon, and of course, we'll take your questions. Joining me for all that and more is another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. As you know, immediately prior to this, I was under assault by various cats with their psychological <laughs> strikes, but I offended them off momentarily so we can squeeze in a podcast. It was a brave battle, and uh, they're, you know, they're sneaky little fellows. They're, they're very uh, suave. They kept both of me and my wife up for five hours last night, so ideal. Really cool <laughs> stuff, man. Is it one of those situations where they just sprint around at night and like terrify Not you? Not even. So one of them somehow figured out how to open a closet up. Inside that closet was a mirror, and the mirror was right next to the wall. And so when he'd lean up against it and like and like attack it to try and attack the cat in the mirror, because he hates mirror world. It would just knock it against the wall, which is next to where our bedroom is. So you heard dunk, 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 and it was it was great. The other one was also going crazy and yelling at us. They didn't have any you know, food, I'm, so you know. I'm pretty sure Mirror World is a Rugrats episode. I recall that where they thought they went into another world. I'll be honest with I you. Know. I've watched Rugrats like six times in my entire life, and I always <laughs> thought it was dumb. So <laughs> well, I would hope that was because you were an adult when you watched it. No, I was a child. A I didn't kid, have good. Rugrats at the time. Them. See. I didn't have cable, so instead I watched cool shows like Power Rangers and Action Man and <laughs> Animaniacs and Hysteria and oh, Action Man. I um, recognize everyone, but Action Man—that's not a real thing. And <laughs> Mystic Knights of Tirnanog. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, it wasn't clear enough by uh, the intro here. There's not a whole lot of baseball going on, but I, I, I think could, I, could talk I am about not going to take for granted. <laughs> we could talk about Action Man. I'm never going to take again for granted the fact that real reporters, i.e., not me, are like around the general managers and stuff because it's clear like how many more scoops they get when they can actually be around these people instead of just tweet or call them because there's just there's nothing i'm sure part of that is just because it's we're in such a weird time and nobody really knows which also sucks because you kind of think like this is a weird unknown time there'd be stuff to talk about but it's the fact that you can't really estimate anything because nobody knows <laughs> nobody wanted brad hand but they paid um who was that was it robbie ray just made a bunch of money which was a surprise and then uh, Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton made a bunch of money, so it seems like there's going to be a bunch of one-year contracts. But Mike that Miner help. just got signed for two years, I think. Yeah, I think it went back to the Royals, right? Yeah, like Mike Miner. Yeah. What the hell? But yeah, you <laughs> of all people, Mike Miner, Michael Taylor, Michael A. Taylor, a World Series champion, signed a contract. Good for him. Yeah, there you go. I was Michael Taylor. When I would think of as I had an old Michael A. Baseball Taylor. League. My, sorry, Michael A. Taylor. Um, <laughs> he was really good on my team, and I was really proud of him. And then he wasn't very good in real life, but he was good in that. That's all that mattered. He's all right, um, defensively. Yeah. You know what else him. matters, Mary? What's that? Meatballs. Meatballs, Mary. They matter. There it is. Um, this is our, uh, our segment. Now we're doing, uh, where we, we deliver you fun little tidbits and throw them up over the plate. Seems weird to say throw it up over the plate, but, you know, toss it up over the plate for you to hit out of the park. We're doing uh, nice historical ones because obviously there is no little stat cast things to poke at during the, the off season. But um, I believe you have one, Mary, from uh, way back when. I do, as a matter of fact. I want to talk about uh, Jack Heideman. You know who Jack Heideman is, Matt? He was on the Mythbusters, right? He was the guy with the uh, the mustache. And uh, yes, that's I don't know. I don't watch Mythbusters. <laughs> to be honest, with you. the only things I watch on on uh, cable are uh, Bar Rescue. 
And that's here. <laughs> I think he was on that too. He's in a bunch of things. You never know. Uh, no, uh, Jack Heidemann was the um, first round draft pick by the Indians in 1967 at a high school. Uh, interesting stuff. He's also arguably the worst player in Indians history uh, by, by wins above replacement uh, in his. Uh, let me see here. Yes, five years with the Indians, uh, 239 games. Uh, he was worth negative 3.9 wins above replacement. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know. It's actually pretty impressive how bad he was. What years was this between? This was from 1969 to 1974 when he finally traded. He was hurt for some of that time, but like you don't record positive or negative wins above replacement. So really, he crammed that into about two and a half years. Uh, but what I want to talk about was a very interesting game. That I want to talk, that, that I kind of call the day Jack Heidemann was God because he was very bad in 1970. He was his really his rookie year because he kind of came up in 1969, played three games, four plate appearances, did not collect a hit. Um, he was the sixth youngest player in baseball at the time. By the time he made the big club in 1970, he was the ninth youngest player in the uh, in baseball. Uh, he ended up getting 94 hits all season, hitting 211, 265, 292. But he actually had a two-week two stretch, which contained two games that were a total of nine of his hits for that season. So in two games, he collected 10% of his hits. On one of those games, he went five for five uh, with two runs scored and an RBI against the Tigers. It was pretty impressive. I'm just I'm, I'm blown away about how he could just cram it in like this. He was facing off against, let's see who was pitching that day. Earl Wilson was the starting pitcher for the Tigers. He would end up going, let me look at here, 1970. Uh, he had a 458 ERA that year. It was 5 and 12. So he was very bad. The, uh, the Indians were very bad that year. I'm pretty sure the Tigers were even worse. The Indians won something like 75 games. Oh, no, actually, now the Tigers were better than them. So anyway, he went 5 for 5, including a single uh, that ended up being driven in by Ray Fossey, one of the ugliest men in baseball history. And then he singled, drove in uh, Leon. Uh, who's this? Leon? Eddie Leon. Then he singled. Nothing happened. He singled again. Nothing happened. He singled again. Nothing happened. This was his single greatest offensive offensive day. Five hits out of the leadoff position. Scored two runs. Got an RBI. By the end of June, he had brought his OPS for the year up by 100 points. I'm willing to bet that people were feeling like he was going to finally turn it around. He did not. Um, so, he ended up being very bad. Guess who the pitcher was that game, Matt? For the Indians. 1970. Oh, is it... Um... I know who it is. I can't think of his name right now, but of course, it was Sam McDowell. <laughs> it was Sam McDowell, which is also, I think, very weird. <laughs> every time. Uh, every He's time. always there lurking in your record books. Um, Nobody ever yeah. knows who he is. He just shows up, and he's always... Cleveland he's won 8-2 to two, uh, You know, with uh, Jack Heideman at the top of the order as a shortstop. The spark plug. Five hits. Uh, impressive stuff. That was. Now, I do his... wonder if that's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that was the single best game of his career that I can tell. Uh, he only had more than one hit, or more than four hits one other time. That was two weeks prior on the 16th. Um, yeah, there you go. Interesting stuff. I thought, you know, just hor- very horrible. But even the worst guys are good for one day. And you have to ima- imagine how good. It reminds me, actually, I was watching Moneyball a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Billy Bean was ostensibly a five-tool hitter. And in that movie, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Ryan, that's a character in Veep, Jonah Hill, uh, Jonah Hill's character was like, I would have drafted you in the 11th round, if at all. Uh, yeah, so maybe it's just because they didn't see what was right with him. And there you go. Interesting stuff. Yeah, the, the Jack Heineman story makes me think of Cleveland Indians legend of 2015, Jerry Sands. A I mean, perfect example. Sands wasn't that bad, but he was 
worth uh, 0.1 fan graph war. And he had that. What was that? That wasn't even like a week, was it? Where he was just, he had like three home runs. We all lost our minds. Oh, it was, it was incredible. I think Shelly Duncan had a run like that too. Remember when he was a, a defensive ace in left field when he uh, one game in Texas? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there were so many like random spurts of good players in the, the early 2010 Indians. You know what it was? It was so bad th- for Shin Chuchu. I think it was just yeah. Well, I think it was just part part the there was a certain subset of teams that were just still doing things quote unquote the old way, and so you'd get just a, a garbage pitcher and so a mediocre hitter, which the Indians were were so good at finding just guys who were so flawed in some or myriad ways, and they'd go up against guys and they'd just have a game because they're finally facing a quad A pitcher being a quad A bat, and they were a good quad A bat, so. Um, Unfortunately, you know, those things have kind of been sifted out. So there we go. Yeah, that's good. We're kind of missing that thing because everybody is, is, they know what they're doing now, which stinks. And like today, Zach Mizell wrote about all the, <laughs> it's a miserable article. I mean, it's good, but it's, it's about all the outfielders and how bad they've been for the Indians since I think it's basically at the turn of the century. There's, it's just a, a marching line. It's like the Browns quarterback of, <laughs> of just the long list of bad outfielders and just like people you never want to think about again, like Michael Bourne, Drew Stubbs. I mean, shouldn't you choose there? But he's good. I mean, you bring up guys um, who like rem- we remember too. You know, there's yeah. the other guys that we just, I think we just blanked out of our brains. Like, um, I'm going to use the internet real quick to find one. It's going <laughs> to click on a random year. I don't know. Let's see who the outfielders were in 2010. That's always a fun year. Been looking at these water lists all day. Trevor Crow. No, that was about to say that Oh man, Trevor Crow. Uh, Austin Kearns, remember when he was there? Oh man, I guess it wasn't that bad that year. He had 272, 354, 419, and was the you know what? It's almost like they foretold what was coming because he was the Indians' third best hitter with a line like that. So there you go. And it hasn't gotten any better, so <laughs> they've gotten better at drafting pitchers, but center fielder Michael Brantley player. that was a good one. Oh, there's Shelly Duncan. I, I forgot how long he wasn't there very long, was he? Who in center field? Michael Brantley. Uh, uh, no, yeah, they tried yeah, it like a year or two, so. and they're like, this yeah. is a bad idea. I think it's not, <laughs> not terrible. Let's not do this anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, getting back to, uh, I don't know if it's slightly better or worse modern day, but uh, we have some things happen. Adam Simber is no longer with the Indians. He was designated for assignment last week when they brought in another reliever, Jordan, is it Jordan Humphreys? I already forgot his name, but uh, from the Giants. They brought in him and moved Adam Simber to clear space, and then the Marlins basically just took him for cash. Hundred thousand grand came back to the Indians. So now Adam Simber, who I would nicely call it interesting to watch him pitch, it wasn't fun. It wasn't uh, fascinating, but it was submariners are just interesting to watch. And he was he was one of those. He would throw. He had a super low delivery. He did a weird little like pigeon toed thing when he stood yeah, down. The that was an interesting really, about yeah, him. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say Tommy Pickles thing, but since you hate Rugrats, I can't freaking go with that but <laughs> yeah, he still like his, he, he was just all kinds of weird and if he was really good it would have been really interesting but as it was it was just it, it was just interesting to watch him pitch and he wasn't very good but he was just a victim of the fact that he has to face three batters now or end an inning and even like this year he wasn't good against righties anyway which is all he was there for so i'm not sad that he's gone <laughs> i'm sure he's a nice person and i hope he does well in miami but even if he does this isn't going to be like a yandy diaz all over again where I can't believe the Indians possibly let him go for nothing. It's just, it was clear he didn't have it. Um, he was never that great here. He he just stopped striking people out. He didn't walk a whole lot when he was good, but then he just didn't strike anybody out either, and he was just not very effective, and Tito used him way too much. And he's gone now. He's in Miami. 
So well, you know, I mean, and you, and you raise a good point. Like he had, he was very much a specialist, and we just don't have those anymore. At the very, at the end of the day, that that role, whatever role for a pitching specialist, is kind of gone because, I mean, he's going to have to face. I, you know, I, I wrote an article about it that should be going up. I don't know the same, but you, you listen to this, I assume. I don't know when that is this crap, um, but uh, three weeks. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, well, it was perfect timely. <laughs> That's what we look for here. Uh, you know, he. He the splits against him were so absurd. I think it was like a 605 OPS against righties for his career to this point, and like a 954 OPS um, against lefties. Like, yeah, it's it's great to have a guy who can who could at least try to mitigate the role of you know basically the entire White Sox lineup or uh, Miguel Sano or uh, Nelson Cruz or you know whatever Mike Trout or whatever but the, the problem there too is like that 605 average among all right-handed hitters and the good ones beat the tits out of him so that's just not going to go well anyway i mean it's like you said the, I, I love the i love the whole weird delivery thing for him i love a submariner he's um you know interesting to watch and when it was going it was very neat to see and it just reminded me of like Joe Smith kind of and other guys, I think he had. I think he was one of the two or three pitchers where it looked as though the ball was rising almost, just because of how low he released. Like he released it below his feet. Um, oh yeah, it always looked like it was coming up. That was that was yeah. the most interesting thing about him. It was. I, I know physically it's impossible. It's not a thing that happens, but it, it certainly looked like it was rising when he threw it. I mean, the ball is not, not because of velocity, spin. Like right? Said, yeah, it's yeah. just rising because he's literally throwing it up, right? Like so. Um, no, like you said, it's just he, he was a. a a creature of a time that no longer exists in baseball. And that's simply all there is to it. Uh, and now he just has to figure, I mean, Hey, again, if you learn to change up, then he'll be a much more effective pitcher, but he never struck anyone out to begin with. He, he was never superlative in anything except having a weird arm angle. And, uh, and he was but, superlative at that, given that hundred oh, percent, superbly 100%, weird arm percent. angle. Aesthetically yeah. a superb <laughs> player, but in terms of effectiveness, never any good. Like that's the thing. Strikeouts weren't all that good. Uh, ground ball rate was okay, you know, whatever. It was in the mid fifties, which for a relief pitcher is okay if if you have high velocity. If you throw eighty six, it's not good. You know, I mean, think about someone like Dan Otero. He had a ground ball rate when he was good at like sixty six percent or something like that. Like if the ball went in the air, it was a home run, but it only happened like four times all year. So yeah, Simber was just superfluous. There was no, there's no role for him. The the Indians are fi- finally discover, discovering some like velocity. And at the end of the day, that that's the only game in town anymore. Like you can have guys who have some kind of uh, deception to a degree, but if you can't throw 94, 95, you're done. You know, it's the same, the same thing with like Brad Hand, who he simply came over with, oddly enough. Um, neither of them, Brad Hand was good this year, but I just, I, I, I was, we were all nervous because he was only throwing 90, right? Like it just, it seemed like we were just playing uh, with, uh, with fool's gold or with house money or something, whatever the thing is. Uh, playing with sleight of hand. Sleight of, yeah, but <laughs> nice. But yeah, I mean, is it, was that trade a bust or not? I don't know. There was a hope. I think that Simber would turn into something better and learn how to throw that change up. And again, maybe he will in Miami, but I don't think he will. I, I think, like like I said, he just doesn't have a role in baseball anymore. That sucks, you know? I mean, it's just we're, we're mitigating a certain thing in baseball and the more and more making it uh, some sort of homogenized thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm happy or sad or what about, you know, the Indians getting, being able to platoon less. It was always kind of neat, you know, having Ryan Rayburn be Mike Trout for half the year, basically. But. <laughs> and it is, if, if things continue the way they are, I think... I mean, you mentioned the trade being a bust, but I mean, getting 
what, like a year and a half of really good Brad Hand, they pretty much won that trade. Yeah, Because yeah, Francisco is Mejia is essentially nothing right now. He was yeah. terrible this year. He was okay last year. He was sort of okay the year before. So, I mean, there's still plenty of time. He's only 25. But I'm still not super upset about getting a good year and a half out of Brad Hand. I think no, it's it, the it bridged. They got what they wanted out of the trade. They never. I'm assuming they never thought he would stay here forever. So this is what they wanted out of trading Francisco Mejia. And if the Indians value catcher defense as much as it seems, then he was never going to stick here anyway. So you might as well get a decent closer for a couple of years out of him. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, you know, it's like he was, if, if nothing else, hand was like a bridge to this new young crop of pitchers. I mean, they didn't, I'm sure they didn't plan two years ago to have uh, Emmanuel Classe and James Karinchek back there with, uh, of course, Phil Maton. Also, of course, as, that's the as, number three. That's the third the one you go three. to. That's the third one. That's that's that's, uh, that's the third head of the of, of the of their Cerberus right there. It, it is uh, wild though that the Indians are about to have like a super fun bullpen, which seems oh, like it's 100%. been since the bullpen mafia, which wasn't good, but it was fun. <laughs> but it seems like this would be the best that we've had there, in a long time. There was like this vibe that they were good. I like that about the bullpen mafia. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're good. They are not good. <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> if you have a nickname, you got to be good, right? That's how it works, I think. And they had a nickname, so they were good. Um, uh, but yeah, like, like I said, Simber was neat, and I think it was a, it was a neat thing to see and hope for, but. Um, if you can't get guys out, then you're, you're just fucked at the end of the day. <laughs> and his, his inability to get righties out this year was, I mean, again, sample size, I, I think, was unfair to him this year. Or 2019. Yeah, it was like 11 innings. Yeah. The numbers are much better for him. But, like, and, you know, I just, I remember, like, being halfway hopeful before all this that, like, he, like, if the tribe had made the, the playoffs in 2019, he'd be a good weapon because they would have faced a whole, like, there's, there were so many good right handed hitters out there and, and they could just mitigate him. Um, like yeah, the again the entirety of like the Yankees lineup would just be kind of silenced half the time, but yeah. didn't happen. And also now that doesn't matter anymore. So <laughs> because he is in Miami, and they also got. I mean, this I still think there's a chance they can maybe we'll talk about non-tighters in a little bit, but they could open up a space to grab a lever there. They also just have. I mean, they have Phil Maton. What else do you need? But they also exactly. have, like you said, Clarencheck and Karencheck and Class A and. Nick Whitgren. So, I mean, their bullpen is, isn't exactly desperate for Adam Simber anymore like it once was. Like they have four, you know, they, they have a good four. I, I, listen, I, I know, yeah. listen, I, I, I still think Phil Maton has something going for him. I mean, I think his velocity sucks ass, but. Well, I think he does too. The that cutter, man. Who, baby. Movement uh, for days. He's like, he's like, a, right now he's a poor man's Ryan, uh, Brian Shaw, which sounds like a curse, but actually Brian Shaw was good. So, uh, if he's, again, if he's your third or fourth best reliever, then you, I think you're doing okay. And then. They just figure it out from there. Like you said, they'll find other guys. And um, as long as they can throw over 95, I'm fine with it. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, so so where some of those guys came from, obviously, is uh, they came through the minors. So that's usually how it works in baseball. Nice. But... Good point. Okay. <laughs> this is a smooth transition to the fact that <laughs> the Indians, um, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers are no longer um, affiliated with the Indians. They and several other New York Penn League teams and also randomly the AA Trenton Thunder, <laughs> they moved to form their own league. Um, called the MLB Draft League, which will basically just give draft prospects another shot to be seen um, before the draft. So I'm, I'd assume their season is like early in the year that they have like an all-star break centered around the draft itself, which will be kind of neat. But um, yeah, it's part of the MLB's overall trimming of the minor league system. The Indians lose the Scrappers. They're losing one of the Arizona League teams. And I think there's talk they could, um, I think it's the Hillcats might be gone. And the Lake County would be the high, high A team. The Hillcats are at least on the chopping block. Maybe they could be. The contract is up in the air, but um, as of now, they have seven minor league teams that could go down a little bit more, but it's just a thing all over minor league baseball that teams are getting um, trimmed away. 
And I also saw that there's, um, it's the upside, I think, of all this, if what it is, a combination of paying minor league players more and also controlling the quality of minor league stadiums and everything down there. I think it's a net positive if that happens. I think as much as I love weird, scrappy, lower levels of minor league baseball, I don't think it's great to, it's not great for attracting I mean, like Kyler Murray, if he was, what would he be like riding a dirty bus between Oakland A affiliates right now? If he was, um, if he chose baseball instead of being a star quarterback, I think they, they realize they got to shorten the road to the majors at some way and make it less. Ter- Cause I mean, we always talk about like, it's a, almost as if it's a character building trait that you have to ride these shitty buses and you go and falling apart in stadiums and you eat peanut butter sandwiches. But eventually teams got to realize if you treat your minor leaguers better, you can attract more players than making them slog through that for several years. But I guess this is just part of that. And it's kind of cool that also the scrappers and other teams, they aren't losing complete affiliation. They're going on their own separate ways of, of still having baseball players, what I think is good instead of making them all independent leagues. So I, I feel like this is a good in between between getting rid of the minor league teams and keeping them around and letting them still get players to that will contribute in the major leagues somehow. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on, I guess just the scrappers leaving in general and, and just the fact that MLB is trimming back all these minor league teams the way they are. I think it's I think it's horrible that they're cutting back <laughs> on the number of teams. Honestly, like you said, I, the the argument is they want to have more control over things and they want to be able to maintain the you know quality of the thing. It's not like they couldn't afford that before, though. So I don't know. It's just it, I I see it as just another step of um, you know a centralization, I guess, of what was once you know a less centralized sport and. Uh, I mean, you mentioned before, obviously, it making it easier to get to the majors, but it also is going to make less opportunities for people to try and get to the majors. Because if you have 40 less teams, you have 40 less rosters that need filling, which is... I, I guess my thing players. is how many of those... I mean, it's like a few hundred, but how many of those players actually make it compared to what you could just find? And that's with, fair, but I mean... I mean, because you still time, get plenty like, of exciting basketball players and football players out of nowhere. They don't have... 20 times the number of players they have in their minor leagues. Or I agree, but at the same time, those those sports are generally easier to play in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, football is you know physically arduous, but it's not as fine motor skill. And basketball is, again, more, you know, you can dominate physically, which is the thing you can't really do in baseball. But, um, you know, it's, it's all those, like, little things that make baseball just more difficult to do. Like, again, hitting a 95-mile-hour fastball is just difficult. Again, oh, I, I mean, I, I see what they're doing. I just think it's stupid and garbage because I love minor. I, I don't know. I, I think having more minor league baseball is only good for the game overall. I think cutting out teams like this just makes it harder for um, people who don't live within you know fifty miles of a major metropolitan area to uh, enjoy baseball, right? I don't like, and the, the fact that they're making this MLB draft league and it's going to be a money making thing, and then they're going to have players who are not making money playing in it. Like, it's just it's 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 kind of gross in that way too. Like. Obviously, the the Cape Cod League is cute in its way, um, and this is kind of what they're trying to um, approximate in a sense. But the the Cape Cod League is completely independent, right? It's, it's just this thing that goes on out in Cape Cod, whereas this is very much just a tool being used by the MLB to again control the sport more. Which yeah, maybe it'll lead lead to a better quality overall. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like it's losing something, and that's just something. Is again, it's it's a further i don't know i hate to say the word corporatization or something like that but i, I don't think it, the the corporatization is completely bad i think i mean i, I get I, you know it's a it's a big money thing obviously you know b- baseball there's a lot of money to it but i think by that same token like if the if the teams really had these complaints about the quality of the fields which i, I i've read several of them like i know like the 
the Staten Island Yankees are no longer there. And the argument was in part because the field itself was not in high quality. Well, don't the Yankees have enough money to invest in the field to keep their players, their, you know, essentially their property in good standing? Or you mentioned before, obviously, the peanut butter sandwiches and all that stuff. And that's quote unquote character building. Why is that? You know what I mean? That's one of those things where it's always like, why do they have to eat this garbage and live in this shitty way and have to be put up at a whatever when, yeah, obviously they're, they're being underpaid in one in one sense, but also like it would cost so little to feed them better. You know what I mean? Like it, it, one of the, one of the many, like, I don't know. It's amazing to think of this as like an inefficiency within the game, but like, give organized strength and conditioning programs and give the kids the access to protein powder and normal meals. So they're not living up, you know, pizza every day and things like that. That's how you would develop just better players. Like they'd just be bigger and stronger than everyone else. And the fact that instead the, the, the idea is just cut teams and then do, build things like the MLB draft league, which again, I think it's neat, but like if all these teams are, who are they going to be owned by, right? Are these teams going to be owned by, I mean, I assume it's just major league baseball, right? It's just, they I guess like that's the, the thing like the, like the owners of minor league teams aren't well, that's true yeah like, you know, that's the thing you know like I, I worked for the rock cats at the time or the yard goats now and you know they, they were owned by this dude he's a lawyer from New Britain um and then he just doesn't have to pay the players the players are paid by the major leagues so um if it was independently that's a different game but so I, I, again these kids still aren't like, the kids playing in the league draft they're not gonna be paid at all because again it's a collegiate summer baseball league, so I guess they're just playing for the chance to be drafted. Um, I mean, have they said if they're not being paid? I don't think it's technically a collegiate it's a, league, is it? If it's, it's, post- it's a, I'm just looking at the, the the Wikipedia article. It says it's a collegiate summer baseball league. They're amateur baseball leagues in the U.S. and Canada. So, like the Cape oh, Cod League is, go, an, yeah. is an example of it. So, um, well, Cape Cod isn't is is are they affiliated at all or no? No, it's a, they're just an independent thing no but see this one is this is actually affiliated with right it baseball. is affiliated but it's but again if it's if, it is, be paid. if they're collegiate players right yeah then they can't be, they paid, be paid basically like that's what it is so um yeah well. but yeah so i, I, I just know, think like, that... like i said it's just it's 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 it seems shitty in a way i guess because it's just they're i'm glad these teams are still gonna exist the scrappers and the the spikes that's a fun one uh, the Black Bears, the Crosscutters, they have a really sick look. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, the Crosscutters is weird, too, because they're the home of minor league baseball. They're uh, uh, Little League Baseball. They have no, the World uh, Series yeah, there. They yeah, exactly. Like, the what, of, all the classic. Places, of all the places to yeah. lose. I, and I guess that's that That could be a marketing ploy right there, right? Like, you know, they, they have, the, minor league, they have the, the Little League, and then during the Little League World Series, they have the, the one pro game happen. And, hey, why don't we just also look at these? These are the stars of immediately tomorrow. Whoa. Huh? Um, so, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad somebody still exists. It just it sucks to lose teams. Like, again, may, maybe the field itself wasn't nice, but that Staten Island ballpark is dope. Like, it's right on the water. You can just see all these gigantic ships going by. It's very cool. Um I spent a lot of time at a low A field in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't know if they're going to still exist. They probably won't, but um, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge loss to small to medium sized town culture uh, where baseball isn't this huge thing at a, at a palace. It's just this dumb, stupid thing you can go to on a Wednesday or a Friday night that doesn't cost, you know, you can go with your family for, 60 bucks or whatever you know get tickets and hot dogs because it's a quarter hot dog night or something like that i think there's probably some math somewhere in there that it's better for those type of fans to just watch like on tv as far as 
the health of the sport instead of just going to these minor league stadiums, which I don't think is completely right, but I'm sure that there's some arithmetic somewhere that says it's better for them to watch TV than go to these minor league stadiums, which is part of their goal, I'm sure. Oh no, and I, and I get that. You know, that, I'm sure there's yeah some some consultant, you know, some McKinsey guy came and said we just need to eliminate this stupid small thing because these TV types just need to be able to be you know whatever. But I don't know. You, you know, I've I've talked in the past about my, the, the fun idea of having the the massive FA Cup style tournament, and I think it actually I got know. brought up at one point, which I thought was crazy. Like Merritt thought of that. They listened to the podcast, and they. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I it's just. Baseball being historically such a much more community-based game than maybe not. I mean, football obviously has Texas and basketball has places like Indiana and like, you know, New York City and places like that. But baseball was so long, so long stitched just all across America. And I just feel like this removes more of that. And like if you live in Iowa or wherever, you know, some of these places where you have to drive six hours minimum to not even so much be at a baseball stadium, but be at a place where you receive that broadcast on television sometimes. Like, you know, like, that's, that, that's the thing. Like, you know, I guess it's, it's just, it's, I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of shitty because you're just, you're cutting more things that make living in, you know, smaller parts of America, a lot of fun out of it. Yeah. So. And I do think though, as, as far as like the players themselves, you just got to trim that, that journey to the major. Cause I mean, it's all a system that was like what in the sixties or fifties where they, they just had a bunch of these farm teams that just sort of never changed. I don't feel like you need that much anymore. At one point you did, you just need to have a smattering of players because you didn't have a way to measure every little millisecond of them. But I feel like you could just like either get away. Like it's a crutch at this point. At one point you needed to develop players this long and drag them along. But I feel like at this point you could basically baseball teams could bring up these players earlier than they do and actually pay them and let them develop a little more in the majors. If it wasn't set in stone so long ago that you do it this way. I feel like it's, it's to the point where it's, they're using it as a way so they don't have to play players like in like in um like these players they get to their they're not they come up and they don't start actually getting paid like 24 or 25 or older and then they hit a free agent when they're like 30 they they could have come up and developed in the majors like like again Kyler Murray he developed right when he came up and when he came out of college and he was getting paid right away instead of slogging through a minor league system i feel like if baseball could do that in some way even slightly early which they're not going to change at this point but um, even just making it a little more appealing to be in the minors, I, I think is going to go a long way towards the health of the game. as far as getting these big star players, um, instead of them going to other sports, which they're doing at Kyler Murray's level when they're already in college, they're doing it younger when they're, they're looking at these NFL and NBA players who are just, they're drafted and they play, but then you look at major league and they're drafted, they disappear for several years and they pop up again and then they're bad for a year and then they're sort of good. <laughs> and then they're a free agent and they're all we talk about is that nobody wants to pay them. So. I get if it's it's a way of shortening the bridge to the major leagues, but I, I do agree that it sucks for the actual people in these towns, which I think is good if they're fun. I, I don't want all these teams to disappear. I think it's, I just want some way for me to be baseball everywhere, whether it's an independent league, which kind of sucks because that's harder and it's less money for everybody involved. But I, I don't, I also don't think it, it helps major league baseball in general, just to have basically hundreds of extra players who, are being paid next to nothing and have no chance of making the majors and making that big payday, but you're just stringing them along to fill in your rosters to develop your other players that are actually going to make it. No, and I get that too. You know, I, I was talking to my dad the other day and apparently back in like the fifties and sixties, you know how many minor league teams like the, <laughs> the Dodgers had? Oh, it got ridiculous. I think it was they like had, a dozen at one point. They had 22 <laughs> teams. Yeah. Like they had so many, which at that time, like you mentioned, you did have to do that because you had to go find the players across the country. And to your point, you know, obviously, hopefully this would this could streamline things and 
get good players to the majors faster and at the end of the day, you know, get, get it so we can see the good players sooner. Right. Like, uh, but I mean, I, you just wonder where, where does it end? Right. Like if, if they can really get it going that quicker, why even have single a, why even have whatever, you know, why, why, why not have just two teams? Like, obviously you know, there's some teams who use like their triple a team as like the rehab squad. And then their double A's a development team, things of that nature. But and that's one thing I've always wondered too. Like I've never, I've never played baseball at any level besides like <laughs> little, little league. But like if, I mean, baseball has this long development cycle, but that's because of the way it's always been. But like, I mean, football and basketball, they they just, they've always started from the beginning where you basically have college and then the, the big leagues of it or whatever the equivalent is. But like, what if they did that with baseball from the beginning? Would it be all that different or would players just develop quicker or you maybe have a year or two where they're bad? Like they are in the NBA and NFL and you just don't need these several years, but it's just an ingrained thing that baseball has with how much I hate the change. So I always sort of wondered that, but I'm not smart enough or <laughs> in in tune with like development enough to know if that's really a thing that's necessary or it's just the way we've done it forever. So that's the way we do it of having them develop. I know it's baseball is a different thing because it's so much harder to like you're squaring up a ball, which is the, you can't just get blind athleticism, like you said, but maybe to a point you could, if you were, if everybody just had to, you would weed out the ones who can't do it and the ones who can. Like if, if you told me Juan Soto didn't have to go through the minors, I think he'd still be okay. He would have <laughs> been like bad as a 19 year old and then he'd still be great as whatever age he is. And then you know, there's players who would come up through. You wouldn't get as many like out of nowhere stories, but I also don't think we get as many as people think we do. Like there's not that many 20th round picks that come up and they're, they're great. It, it so rarely happens. I don't think you build a whole minor league system around that potentially happening, but I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. No, it is. You know, I mean, like you said, it's, it's it's probably it's funny to, to look at a team like the or a thing like the NBA like they're going the other direction like they're adding minor league teams because if anything there's players who might need in a couple more years to literally grow to be good at the uh, NBA game right like I yeah. mean obviously yeah. and then that was the way it was you know in the old days with with, with baseball kids just didn't go to school so they just they, like they just they just became major, like minor league baseball players and grew up there instead so you know you're 18 you're maybe not good, as good as if someone who's 23 24 25. And then, you know, you hear that, that too about like the NFL too. It's like they want – sometimes you hear chatter about them wishing there was a minor league because you see guys like, you know, like Cameron Wake is a good example where he was no good when he was little, when he was younger, but then he went to the Canadian Football League and came back and was just a dominant pass rusher for years at, from he's like 28 on or something like that. Just things, I mean, these are outliers, but uh, there's a, definitely a middle ground because um, development is still needed. Uh, you just wonder how much more they're going to cut. I guess you know what I mean because this is this is in the end. There's still going to be a hundred and I don't know what many uh, uh, minor league teams, and like yeah, because each team has four. They're talking about at least 120, and you you just wonder how many more they're they're hoping they can cut. Now I'm figuring they probably wish that each team had three. Uh, that would probably streamline it enough for for team for you know the to cut the difference between development and cost. Because uh, because they're going to be paying the, the the players more. This is th- this was going to happen. They're going to start play, paying the minor league players more, which I don't know if they are. I don't remember if that's happening or not. But I don't know. Not paying them much either way. But no. <laughs> um, but yeah. The so the real thing. The next thing that's happening on our basically off season Indians calendar is uh, the. Did you know the the owners meeting actually happened? <laughs> the GM I meeting did, is yeah, coming up next Zoom, month. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, 
Nothing came out of it. Usually it was a little bit like the, the winter meetings are the big one, but the owner meeting at least a couple things and there was nothing because it was all on Zoom. And so nobody freaking did it. But I mean, um, the industry I work in, you know, it's, it's so many meetings <laughs> normally happen and they're like three day long affairs. And now they're just like eight hours on Zoom. You know, I, yeah. I, go, I, I go to some of these conferences and it's just like <laughs> it's over three days for like two, four hours a day because no one wants to be on Zoom that long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the next thing coming up is uh, the non tender deadline, which is it's not quite the. Um, it's for, you basically just say to an arbitration eligible that we're going to give you a contract. We haven't figured out the deal of it yet. And we'll exchange figures next month before we go to arbitration. Um, this is basically a way of saying that we don't want you to go away <laughs> quite yet. Um, the deadline for that is December 2nd, the Indians, their arbitration eligible players, so they can offer a tendered contract to her Francisco Lindor, Austin Hedges, Delano to shield, Tyler Naquin, Nick Whitgren and Phil Mayton. Um, I think there's at least three decisions to make in there. I feel like Lindor, you're going to do it unless you just don't think you can salary dump one of the best shortstops in baseball. Um, I think Nick Whitgren, you do it just because one point at million for a pretty good reliever. Phil Mayton, same thing. Um, he's going to be probably under a million dollars for, I mean, a guy who could be pretty good and you think he's been fine. And I mean, we both like him. I, I joke around how much that you like him more than I do, but I like him too. I think he's a decent reliever. I don't think they'll let him go, but I think the big questions here are Austin Hedges, the Shields, um, and Tyler Naquin. The latter two, just because, I mean, do you even need them anymore? And Austin Hedges, because he's going to be probably around like $3 million. You also have Roberto Perez. You're paying a bunch of money. Like how much do they want to wrap up in catchers? So um, who do you think the Indians keep, at least to the point of going to arbitration with them? And it just doesn't keep mean keep for the season, because obviously they're probably going to tender Lindor and then trade him before he's even in arbitration. But um, who do you think they'll tender contracts to before the deadline on Wednesday? Um, I mean, I think they'll hold on to Hedges just because... Uh, they don't have. They only have one catcher on the roster right now, right? Leon is a uh, Sandy Leon is a free agent. As oh well. no, they have a Mister Bo Taylor. How could you forget about Bo Taylor, man? Oh shit, they do have Bo Taylor. <laughs> Dane Cook himself, <laughs> Bo Taylor, and also of course they have Bo Naylor <laughs> coming up to the minors. So <laughs> they just like these guys that sound the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till you see Show Baylor, who's coming up uh, in Yo, the low way soon. Tyler Naquin is only Arb two right now. Yeah. I feel like he's been on this team for 150 <laughs> years. Like, what? It definitely does feel like that. He's been around forever. And I know, obviously, 2016 was his rookie year, but it just feels like he's been on this team. And he's and he 30 has, years old already, which is also ridiculous. It's wild to me that he's on this team. He still has another arbitration year ahead of him after this. Uh, I don't think they hold on to the Shields. He's been, been, there's no reason to give him $2.2 million. Money. He's just been bad. Like, bad. Like, he just wasn't any good, you know? And then. And then Naquin, uh, I don't know, same idea. It's just, I, we, we all want him to be good, but he, 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 he <laughs> he's not. He's, he's clearly not. And like you said, yeah. it's just they have other um, outfielders who can do the same thing he does. <laughs> which isn't a compliment to anybody involved. It's no. just that <laughs> they can be what he is, which is whatever he is. I mean, at this point, I think even know, if they didn't tender him, they could bring him back like for a minor league contract. I don't think I'm right. going to pay him $2.1 million. No, That's exactly. The That's the thing. I mean... No, just don't do that at all. So I, at this point, right? right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to have, what, Luplo and Mercado and uh, Naylor. And, Bradley uh, Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer. and uh, Nolan Jones is probably going to be out there at some point. Nolan Jones. Daniel so Johnson. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, they'll, they'll find garbage to cram in those holes if they need to. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> we don't need to pay this much for garbage when we already have some over here. <laughs> I still like the idea of holding on to hedges, though. I mean, I, I know you said they have Bo Taylor, yeah. but. He's just so good defensively, and I just 
and I, we've talked about this before, but it's just the, the one thing this team does good is pitch. And if you just don't, if you can just not have any backsliding when you go, when uh, Perez has a day off, or if you find one of your pitchers happens to uh, enjoy throwing to him, which just makes things easier for giving Perez a day off. Um, I just think that makes sense. I mean, like you said, they're, they're giving him what, five and a half million dollars this year. I don't know. I mean, I, I think tying up 8 million bucks in your, in your, uh, catcher it doesn't seem like a lot of money uh the indians are being i mean when that's like, about it <laughs> i was gonna uh, say that's like a fifth of their payroll but i know i know <laughs> for well, most teams it's not much for not yeah, it shouldn't be much is what you're saying well like it's just i know it's it, i don't know I, I i can't even get to that side of things but it's like I, I i think that that i think they'll they'll tender hedges and uh whitburn and maiden the other guys uh to shield i'm sorry hedges whitburn and maiden not naquin uh, the other guys, it, there's just no role, right? It's just we, we we have too many outfielders already. If they tender Delano to Shields Jr., my head will explode. This man has. They're gonna they're gonna tender him and call him the starting center fielder on the same day. It's gonna be one announcement. Get it all out there. We are, yeah, no matter what, he will be here. It's actually part of his contract. If he doesn't play at least 150 games in center, we have to give him a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I do think if they if they feel like last year, because I mean, clearly it wasn't as fast as he was in Texas. He didn't play defense well. Like if they think a lot of that is because the fact that he had COVID before the season, it like lingering effects of it. Then maybe they think he can better be better than he was. But I mean, arbitration three, and it, we should mention these numbers we're saying are like Spotrack. Um, is their estimates for what they make in arbitration. Like they estimate he'd make a little over 2 million, which seems a lot just to bet that he's not as bad as he looked last year. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with you there. I don't think they keep either of them just because they have so many other options that are similar or better than what they have there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. If, if they talk themselves into, oh, well, he had COVID last year. So, <laughs> so we should we'll pay. be getting a great deal this time, boys. Yeah, we're chasing those <laughs> they, real inefficiencies. We got to buy low. That's how it works. You buy low on your arbitration players, and then you sell them high. <laughs> um, Merritt, what do you say we answer some questions? Questions are good. Uh, every Monday, I ask you guys on Twitter, Facebook, and in Let's Go Try Discord for some questions to answer, especially now in the off season because, I mean, it's, we're non-tendering players at this point. There's not a whole lot happening. Um, got a few good ones this week. Zach G on Facebook. He wants to know what's the most realistic scenario in which the Indians could be a better team next year than they were this year. What would be the most crucial facets for that scenario? So, um, I mean, how do they, how are the Indians going to be good next year, and what do they have to do to get there? Is basically what this one is. When we say good, we mean as good as they were <laughs> in 2019, as far as records concerned. I just just, just so I could be a better team. So I mean, be a better, better team than they are the this year. Round. Yeah. So they have to do better than just a, okay. So first, let's see. They need an, they need two more bullpen arms. Um, now, if one of those ends up being McKenzie, that's fine. If Class A coming back, and they need another one after that, I think they can throw hard and get people out. Uh, Nolan Jones needs to hit. Uh, the return of Francisco Lindor has to be good. Um, and Shane Bieber needs to add two miles an hour to his fastball, and they need to re-sign Cesar Hernandez. And Josh Naylor needs to make it look like his wild card outing was normal for him. There's a lot of moving parts to this, is what I'm saying. For them to be better than they were this year or last year, like... By by win loss record, right? As far as like percentage, this was actually their best. They're in three years, four years almost, and in fact, it was it's their second best, third best win, uh, winning percentage th- since Jesus Christ, two thousand seven, um, five eighty three. Uh, so 
Yeah, they, they, they need to make lots of small improvements and maintain the, de- the defense they showed and uh, keep the bats cooking and uh, get better in the bullpen. Because as we saw in the last couple of years, a starting pitcher goes four innings in the playoffs now. So they need to be able to then piece together five innings of they basically shut down baseball. I think they have two in them right now. I uh, need to pick up on the other two. So, yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. I think, you, I mean, you nailed it all. I don't, I don't think, I, mean, I hope Tristan McKenzie's a starter, not in the bullpen. I, mean, I get well, that stuff would play well in the bullpen, but that would be a no, big improvement. But, yeah, I think you covered it all anyway. They need a they need a couple of relievers. They need Nolan Jones to hit. They need to actually bring him up. Yep. <laughs> like, and not just wait for him to be super two. Just let the damn kid play and help you get wins early on. I like the idea of re-signing Cesar Hernandez, too. I think that's a, oh, a big yeah. key just because... I mean, there's not a whole lot else out there, and they don't have anything. Co- Unless you think like Owen Miller can come up and play second base right away, but he won't be as good as Cesar was. And uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Especially Emmanuel Classe, I think he's a big key of it. If he can, if if it wasn't all steroids from before, and he's actually as good as he looked, that'd be a bummer. He could be a decent bullpen piece. I know, wouldn't it? If he was Just that Corey Kluber trade look even worse for everybody. But uh, but yeah, if he's at least somewhat decent, if he's great, then that's even better. I think the bullpen is almost fixed at that point if he can be yeah. a great closer or whatever they use him maybe with him and karen check and wicker and main that's that's four great relievers so i think that's a big key for him but and i'd like one get more. the ball i mean um and what I'd like, I'd like one more reliever after that obviously if i'm, if I'm being oh, yeah. a little bit yeah. selfish and then like i said the, I, again maybe that'll be in the return for the lindor trade who knows uh but that has to bring back a bat as well uh, oh god i can't imagine trading lindor and getting another reliever though <laughs> I get well, they need among, one, but among among, <laughs> okay. it's fine. If they headline another trade with a reliever, I'm oh, just oh come on, you can't do that. Up. That's that'd be a criminal. Like <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> oh god, it's gonna happen. But I know. Um, but yeah, that's another one. The, the big one. Whatever Lindor return for Lindor is, has to be a big contributor. I think if unless they're, if they're going to be better, obviously because you're losing Lindor, you're going to have better than what he was, which is a big ask for getting a year of Lindor to get an improvement. But we'll see. Um, so thanks for that question. Our next one comes from at Glenn Longwell 89. He wants to know how reliant on Fran Mill will we be in 21, 2021 for offense? I mean, I guess that's sort of the same answer again, right? Like if, if the return for Lindor, if somebody good offensively is there, then maybe not a ton, but I mean like Carlos Santana is probably not going to be there. Um, I mean, you can have Jose Ramirez to rely on. Hopefully Nolan Jones will help out, but I feel like maybe more than last year, just because Lindor isn't there, you're going to be relying on Fran Mill unless all these things go well with the offense again, but. I mean, it's not like he was great offensively in 2020, you know. I mean, it's only 59 games, but 275, 344, 450. I'd appreciate if the OPS was over 850, basically, is what I'm saying here. He needs to walk more and hit more home runs. Um, just hit the ball more, you know, more more bases, more bases, more walks. And uh, will that growth happen? I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, the answer is probably big, especially if they do trade Lindor and they lose hit Hernandez and – Obviously, Santana's going to be gone, but uh, yeah, very much, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the gist of it, is that very much. But I mean, if he is, if if they have to rely on him and he's really good, that's going to be fun because I like I like good Fran Mill Reyes because he hits big dogs. Oh, man, like it's the best. Dogs. When, he's, when he's on a hot streak, you're like, I don't know, it, it feels like he's just, he's just tearing the face off the earth when he swings the ball. But Yeah, and he's, he's so happy rather. about it, too. He's not like a quiet, long, being good guy. He's like super fun and he's singing and I love Fran Mill. I, I feel like he could be... He could replace the Carlos Santana in our hearts of <laughs> if he stays around for a long time and he's just this big jolly guy who hits massive home runs. Like he's the next. I'm with it, man. <laughs> lovable Santana kind of player. Like I'm all for it. Even though, but like I, 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 I don't think he's going. Like if he's their second best hitter, 
I mean, and by OPS plus he was this past year, I think that's bad because the, the cliff will become steeper and steeper the more guys that leave, right? Like Hernandez and Lindor leave, suddenly your second, your third best hitter going by the, this year's numbers would be someone with an OPS in the 70s, which is ugh, not great. So, yeah. And obviously yeah, Ramirez so, being an MVP caliber hitter again would be ideal. Yeah, I think the answer is more than we he probably should be relied on just because yes. it shouldn't it's not a knock on Fran Mill, but you shouldn't be relying that much on one player, but Which, it's what they're I mean, gonna be unless twenty five. I I mean, you know, again, we, we forget how young he still is because he's you know the yeah. size of a house. Uh <laughs> one would hope that he starts kind of, you know, growing into it more fully, right? And we get like seventy five really or twenty five. Yeah, dude. I mean he, he might be turning twenty six, let's see, birthday. I feel like him and Naquin switched age now, ages. Born July seventh, so he'll be turning twenty six in the in, middle of the season. Yeah, in the middle of the season. So again, I mean, wow. the the idea would be he hits, um, you know, seventy five or eighty extra base hits and then walks fifty times. I think those are numbers where we're talking about him being very good to great. So, uh, yeah. and you know, a, a, a key kind of aspect of the offense, and that's what they, that's kind of what they needed to be. Honestly, that's why they traded for him. So. Right, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, Glenn Wanwell, for that question. That was a good one. I like it. any kind of friend, Mokray. I always want to talk about friend Moray, so there's just nothing to talk about. Oh, yeah, so, man. I mean, honestly, question. he's one of the, the, the clear futures of the team, so it's always fun to yeah. talk about. All right, man. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, this next week, uh, if you're not already, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, like us on like us on Facebook. I don't think you like us on the podcast, but like us on wherever podcasts. you find us on a podcast, <laughs> leave us a review. Um, let us know how you like it. If you're not already on Discord, uh, you can just at one of or at me on Twitter on the Let's Go Tribe or at RLY, and I'll just give you the link to it because it always changes. But um, yeah, if you want to just come to Let's Go Tribe.com, talk in the comments, that's fine too. Uh, Merritt, talk to you next week. I'll be here.